The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with the microphone. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Lauren Deller-Blake, my co-host, and I. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I'm so much better than last week and happy to be here. How are you? And you couldn't be worse because last week you couldn't talk. <laughs> if anyone was listening to the show last week, Lauren had um, laryngitis, and she called me up and she said, you know, I've got laryngitis. Should I be on the show? I said, absolutely, because as I said to you, Lauren, and I think I have to share this with everybody because even though you couldn't talk, you were there, and, I, and, and you did say a few things, but Barely. it really... Yeah, it, 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 having you there and being able to, to know that you're there, it gives me a sense of well-being. And I have to say, just knowing that someone's there for you and is going to, even if you can't say too much, uh, just your presence, help, confidence is the word I'm trying to think. And I think that applies to a lot of different areas. You know what I'm saying? Well, thank when you, know you. Some... It, gives, it also gives you a sort of like sounding board, whether I can respond or not, you at least have someone to talk to. Yeah, it's like talking to your kid or the baby or whatever. Exactly. You know they can't respond, right? But you keep on talking well, anyway. I'm glad I could be there for you, Catherine. And you are. You are, my dear. You know, we got a good show today. We're, last week we were supposed to have Tiffany Schlain on the show, and there was a whole mix-up because the number that they gave her was the wrong number. And anyway, I think we have the right numbers, and she's rescheduled for this week. Tiffany Schlain, who's a uh, award-winning filmmaker, director, uh, and one of the films that she just recently finished or just did, I, I don't know exactly when she finished it, but it's called The Tribe. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today, her film, The Tribe, because she's going to actually be here uh, in Albany, New York, at uh, Proctor's Theater in Schenectady, actually. And she's going to be, uh, there's going to be a, a uh, actually, I think we have about 200 people going to this event, and we're going to show her film, The Tribe. Uh, the Women's Philanthropy Committee, of which I'm a part of, Are and then yeah, and then she's going to be here. And we're going to discuss it. Excellent. Yeah, so that's very cool. And we also have this, and this woman is right up your alley, Beth Kobliner. Co- get a financial life. <laughs> okay. How's that? And what's her what's her stick? Uh, Beth is uh, well. Her book is a New York Times bestseller. Nice. Yes. At Get a Financial Life, Personal Finance in Your 20s and 30s. Hmm. And the subtitle is that, Get Out of Debt, Save for a Home on Your Own, Invest Wisely with Little Money. So she's got a lot of tips. It's a very how-to kind of book, very right. practical. But she's got a lot of experience. I mean, she is uh, an editor, coach, a contributor to the New York Times, writer for Money Magazine, columnist for Glamour. Nice. Yes. And she's. Uh, you can go to her website. And uh, she's got all kinds of information about herself and the book. So I was in Chicago for the weekend. Were you? Yeah. Chicago's always fun. What did you do there? Uh, my oldest son uh, is a, a filmmaker uh-huh. and uh, teaches at Northwestern University. He just recently com- 
completed, actually, the promo. Uh, he's doing a video for uh, Chicago Magazine because they are awarding, I think it's five different companies in Chicago who are green companies, people who have conducted their business in a green way. Huh. And There's a lot so of that going they on. Have, you know, uh, this huge event at the Shed Aquarium. Those of you who live in Chicago who are listening to the show, it's a Shed Aquarium in Chicago. Is, is you know they're a huge aquarium, incredible place, and that's where they're going to have the event. And he did the uh, the promo video and also the video of 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 each one of these businesses. So uh, that's not why we went, but <laughs> I have it, to it was a great incentive. Yeah, exactly. So we had fun. We went to Friday night in Chicago. Rush Street is like there. It's sort of like, I don't know, it's not like Soho, but Rush Street in Chicago is where people hang out and they eat bars and clubs and restaurants. So we go into this restaurant to have steak because Midwest steak, you know. This was like a bar, a baby boomer pickup <laughs> bar. Uh-huh. Don't ever get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't pretty, huh? It was not a pretty sight, Lauren. It was not a pretty sight. Now, I, I, I'm i not going to tell you the name of the place, but it was packed people to people. And you'd see these guys like in their late 50s and 60s trying to put the make on 40. The women were from 40. They covered our age from 40 to 70, I would say. Wow. Yeah. And all the guys were overweight, and they had these leather jackets on trying to look cool but no. covering, to cover up their fat. Oh, was, they're eating too much steak. <laughs> eating too much steak. It was very <laughs> sad. And trying to look really slick and, like, I, I mean, I was fascinated. I'm a people watcher. You are, too, aren't you? Uh, absolutely. Even yeah. my daughter is. She says, Mommy, I like watching people. Yeah. It's yeah. very... Well, she wouldn't have liked watching this. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. So you had dinner there, but it was more like a hangout bar yeah. scene. Yeah, it was. It was a hang-up bar scene. And it was eating. It was both. But, you know, we always like to eat in the bar anyway, so that's what we did. Well, you see a lot more in the bar. Yeah, you do. It's more fun. It's more it, coming and going. Mm-hmm. And I recommend that to people. If you're going out by yourself or you're going out with your girlfriends, or whoever you're going out with, even your partner or your spouse, if you eat in the bar, uh, there's a lot more activity going on. You know, you go and you sit in, at restaurants and you see people sitting there staring at each other, having nothing to say because they're like, have this in their little booth. And um, so this gives another added piece. That's just my suggestion. But this is more entertainment is what you're saying. Yeah. Gives you something to talk about. Yeah, so let's get serious. What, let's... <laughs> I'll try. All right. Uh, what did you do this week? This week? It's only Wednesday. Yeah, well, or this weekend? It's the middle of the week already. What did I do this week? I watched the Obama. Oh, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched the Obama press conference last night. Yeah, so what'd you think? You know, I admire where he's going. I have to say, personally, yeah. I think he's on track, and I personally agree with what he's up to. And I think that if it was, he, you know, if it was a company, a small business, just and that's what I know best, it, I think he's on track. Yeah, I do too. I think he's so brilliant. I think, I mean, he's going to make mistakes. There's no question about that. As Warren Buffett said, he may make mistakes because every you can't help but do that. But we need someone like him to be. I agree with country. it. I think he's doing a good job, and I think his whole um, that message about I saw a clip of the whole thing about persistence. And God, if I could just cut that piece out of that press. Uh, of that one-hour press conference. It was like a three-minute, two-minute thing he did on persistence. If every entrepreneur would be persistent about their success, we'd have so many more successful entrepreneurs in the world. 
But I picked up, you say persistence, he said patience also. He said patience and persistence. Yeah, and I, I mean patience. People don't have patience. I mean, that's, I think that's, to me, that's also part of it. That was a big thing, actually, uh, afterwards, the news, the news people were picking that apart, that, you know, our world is not patient like we used to be. Like years ago when we were in a um, recession or even the depression, we took, we knew that it was going to take time and we were patient about it. But these days you can watch a 30-minute show and a house is totally revamped in 30 minutes. We expect the same thing. He's been in office um, 60 days. And how about you go on the Internet and if things don't, in one second, two seconds, you're sitting there. Yeah, we're calling the next provider that says they're faster. Yeah, right. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So we are we're not programmed for patience. Not anymore. It's sort of been deep we've been deprogramming our society for patience. But I think persistence, Lauren, we seem to be persistent. Uh we're not always I don't know. I'm not sure I agree with you on that. I think I see a lot of entrepreneurs that try something once and they give up. I'm like no, you have to keep doing the same thing over and over. It's not a one-time. Sales, for example, in business is a, not a one-time thing, and if something doesn't work, we have to keep doing it over and over and fine-tuning our skills. Are, but explain that. I mean, like, okay, you, are you saying you have somebody who's in business who isn't successful in that particular business? What do you mean? I mean, because maybe they're not. there's a person in business or even beginning a business, and they try their sales approach one way, they tend to abandon it so quickly. But sales is not, and I see this a lot in sales and marketing, It's because sales and marketing is all about persistence and doing the same thing over and over again because you run into a lot of no's before you get yeses and make sales happen. So people tend to try something once, and if they get a no, they back off. And that's not how to grow a successful business. But what if you're doing it the wrong way? How do you know that maybe your approach is wrong? Like, it's not so, How can you tell the difference well, I between... I think part your- of it is to have somebody to talk to about it. So you're constantly fine-tuning it so that you do get success over time. But, you know, I have to... I always tell the story that when I first started coaching back in 2001, I approached 200 people before getting a client. And this is a true story. Talk about persistence. I had a coach at the time. I was fine-tuning my skills. I had never sold, like, myself as the... I always had a business that I sold a service that someone else provided. It wasn't right. like I yeah, provided so, Okay, selling yourself is very, it's like an, you mean like an actor or a musician? Yeah, it's very different. Yeah. So I had to fine-tune my skills, and then it, very quickly, I, after 200 mistakes, obviously, I got it. I figured out what the – but if it wasn't for persistence, I would still not even be in that business. I'd be working for somebody. But maybe somebody like who, who keeps doing it, they shouldn't it's doing be doing it wrong. Is what yeah, it's doing it wrong. It wasn't that you were doing it wrong. You hadn't done it enough times. But I, that's true. I was doing it wrong. I and I had a lot to learn about it. So the the pro, I hear what you're saying, and I think that there's a we lack persistence because we don't like to hear no, and we do not. We choose not to learn from our mistakes and take responsibility for our mistakes. We tend to say that didn't work. I'm not going to do it, and we tend to lose interest in our businesses rather quickly. I see that with entrepreneurs over and over. What about women? Do you think women find that more difficult than men? Women entre- because being an entrepreneur for women, just traditionally in the overall social thing. Well, I don't think women like to hear no. They don't like to hear no. I think they're afraid of no. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So men. See, yeah, there's a lot of people, too, that um, they fear their own success, and I'm learning a lot more about that recently. It seems to be coming up a lot where women in particular fear their success because having success, well, I'm changing subjects slightly, um, having success will mean their life, work-life balance will be totally out of whack, and I just I can't comprehend that thinking. To me, it's the opposite. When you have more success, you can actually hire more people to help you so you can have a better lifestyle. I think I fit into that. 
category, though. That's a very important piece. And I don't know if there's a difference in age and demographics, whether, you know, baby boomers versus Gen X, there's a difference. Uh, I think probably there is. But I think my experience with, and I know I'm generalizing, but like with baby boomer women, that whole thing about if I become too successful, now what do I do? I, I, I know that's totally, what's the word, an anath, and this, it's the opposite of what you think or feel. Exactly. It's, it, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's the opposite. But it, there's a lot of that. I'm, writing, I'm actually writing on that chapter right now for my current new book. But, um, so it's, it's interesting. The more I'm writing on it, the more it keeps coming up. So it, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of people. I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's, a, it's anti-intuitive is the best way of saying it. Like the more success you have, the more your life will demand of you and the more you won't have control of your life. That's the, that is the antithesis of the truth. Well, that's a good note to go out on. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller-Blake, Voice America Network. This is voiceamerica.com. Coming up in this next half hour, or still, say, I guess it's the same half hour, is Beth Kobling there. She's author of Get a Financial Life. Don't go away. Lauren and I will be right back in a minute. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. What are you going to do when that big emergency strikes? Do you know how to prepare? Do you know when? What if we provided you a source to learn from and plan as you go? Listen for The Road to Ready with your host, Rick Tobin. Rick will offer a weekly source of reliable information and resources. You'll hear about new ideas and innovation in emergency management. Best of all, you'll have the tools to get ready for any emergency in small bites each week. The Road to Ready is heard every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. Catherine Zox, 
Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmerica.com with Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller-Blake, my co-host. And Lauren and I are welcoming today Beth Koblener. She is a uh, she's an author. Her book, her new, her new book is the a New York Times bestseller. Get a financial life, personal finance in your twenties and thirties. Get out of debt, save for a home on your own, invest wisely with little money. Beth is a uh, contributor to the New York Times, former staff writer for Money Magazine, and financial columnist for Glamour. She's made multiple appearances on Oprah, Today, CNN, etc., and now on our show. So she says, if you're stressed out by money and have uh, no idea what to do, this is your playbook, the all-new edition of the New York Times bestseller, Get a Financial Life. This is the new edition. Uh, It's completely rewritten to address the recession, so it is really current, whether you earn $20,000 or $200,000. This book bursts open the system, teaching tricks for becoming master of your own money universe. Welcome to the show, Beth. Nice to have you on. Great to be here. Great to have you. Well, your book is timely, obviously. Right. Um, All of us have to get a financial life. But you specifically are talking about people in their 20s and 30s. That's right. Yeah. So what's the big difference between getting a financial life in your 20s and 30s and, say, when you are older? Well, right now, you know, a lot of young people are facing huge amounts of credit card debt and student loans, more than any generation in history having this much debt at this young of an age. So when you compound that with the fact that the job market is so tight, a lot of people don't realize, you know, the national job market, unemployment is at 8.1% on average, but for young people, unemployment's higher. It's actually 12.9%. So it's very tough to get a job. You have a lot of people have a lot of credit card debt and student loan debt. And meanwhile, they're depressed about hearing about their parents' home values plummeting, 401ks plummeting, and they just don't think they have a chance to even get on solid financial footing. And my book teaches them how to do that. So share with us a little bit about that. How do they, if they don't think they have a chance, they have a bad attitude, it sounds like. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I I think they're, you know, they sort of feel like they've been given a bad lot in life. You know, this millennial generation that for years we've been hearing about how they've been coddled and, you know, gotten everything that they wanted, and now they're graduating into a very, very tough economic time. So the one thing they really need to do is focus in on how can they solve their problems in simple, small steps. For example, if you're graduating on average right now, you have $20,000 in student loan debt and $2,600 in credit card debt. So what you want to do is make sure to make your payments on time. It's just a very basic thing, but a lot of people don't realize even just missing one payment can result in what's called your credit score plummeting. And therefore, if you apply for a new credit card or even on your current credit card, they can change the rate from the average right now is 14%. They could boost it up to 24%. Just so you're saying that once. even if they miss one if they don't pay their bill or their credit card on time just once? Just once. And not only does it affect your current, the card that you're late on, but when you go to apply, say, for a car loan in the next year or two or a home loan in the next five to ten years, it will affect the credit score that you have. And that will mean instead of getting, say, a 5% interest rate on a home loan, you'll get a 6%, which doesn't sound so bad, but that really means paying tens of thousands of dollars more in interest. So, it's so really... Beth, but how are you going to make the, because you said something really important, uh, or at least in my mind, these kids, these millennials who have been coddled by their parents, taken care of, you know, kind of cushy situations in college, et cetera, now you're telling them, I mean, not, I mean 
they they have to pay their credit cards. They can't even miss one month, of, or they have to pay things on time. They have to do things right down to the wire. They have to be meticulous about what they're doing. Can they do that? I mean, for the, the mindset? I mean, are they able to make that transition? Well, the good news is they're technologically savvy, and there are ways to pay your bills automatically every month without you having to think about them. Or you can get your, you know, get your your banking statements online uh, automatically. I mean, all these things can be done automatically online. So you can pay your bills online, pay your utilities, your phone bill, your credit card debt online, and you can also and, and have it done automatically so you don't have to think about it. And that's why it's so important to pay attention and setting up these things. And I'm a real believer, once you set it up, you don't have to think about it every day. You don't have to read the Wall Street Journal every day. You don't have to watch the NBC every day. You really could just Figure out, you know, a few smart tricks of getting set up, um, saving automatically, and paying your bills automatically, and then you don't have to worry about it. Saving, you just mentioned. I mean, I think it's very difficult for all of us to save. I'm surprised how many people in my generation have no savings, which is amazing. Uh, that's the, you know, ba- that's another baby boomer generation, the parents of these kids, of these millennials that Absolutely. you're talking about. How do I you think, get them to save? Well, I think, again, the key is doing it automatically. I've, I've interviewed dozens of young people in the, over the last couple of weeks and spoken at colleges, and, you know, they'll say, well, I don't have enough money to save. And you say, well, could you save, you know, $2 a day with, oh, sure, I could do that. Well, that's $10 a week. That's $40 a month. Suddenly they're realizing, hey, you know, maybe I can have $50 every month automatically taken out of my checking account and put into a savings account in my bank. And I'm not going to look at that money. I'm not going to think about that money. And by doing that, at the end of the year, you'll have, you know, close to $1,000 or, you know, $500, whatever it is. Just getting into that savings habit is so hugely important when you're young. I think a lot of also people are afraid of 401Ks. You know, they've heard that their parents lost a bunch of money in a 401K and they're sort of staying away from it. But if you do have a job and you have a 401k with matching that's offered to you, you absolutely should sign up for it. What about you? I'm at your website, and I do, and people should go. Listeners should go to your website because you have all a lot of interesting kinds of things, and it's a very interactive kind of website. Um, which is what it's. Just Beth Koblener.com. com or it's getafinancialife.com. All right. You say Koblener? I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's okay. okay. <laughs> I forget. No, uh, got to pronounce it right. Okay, but on your, you, you say take my recession quiz because, you know, we, people are saying, well, we are in a recession, so what do we do? And we do want to address that specifically. So what is the recession quiz? Well, it basically gives people a sense of how good savers are they, how fearful are they of the economy, how well they're handling their credit card debts, how they think about money. You know, a lot of young people I interview say, my parents never taught me about this. And so I am at a complete loss. And I certainly never learned about it in college. You know, we did a poll and it found, you know, we said, how many people know the interest rate on their credit cards? And only 40% of young people knew the interest rate on their credit cards. But when you ask them, do you know the name of Tom and Katie's kid, 78%, you know, more, almost twice as many knew the name of Suri Cruz. You know, so people are focusing in on a lot of, you know, celebrity gossip, but they're not focusing in on their own basic finances. And I've met so many young people who say, I have two credit cards, a low interest rate and one and a high interest rate one. And just by switching, you know, transferring your debt to the low interest rate credit card, that could save you so much money. People aren't paying attention. I think they're overwhelmed. They're hearing that the economy is tanking, and they're just putting their head in the sand and, and not doing anything. 
But even before that, Beth, I think money is a taboo subject. In our society, we do not talk about money. You mentioned one of the kids, the college kids you were talking about. My parents never told me this. My parents never talked about money. Parents will talk about sex before they'll talk about money. Talk about almost anything before we talk about money. It's interesting, but I feel like this age group, people in their 20s, actually are much more open about their money. And um, there was a piece um, in the New York Times a while ago that I was quoted in that talked about how young people are much more likely to tell each other their salaries than previous generations. I think this is the Facebook generation, you know, the MySpace generation. They're used to being online and sharing information. And I think the sort of taboo topic of money, it's still taboo, but a lot less than it used to be, which I think is a good thing long-term. But a lot of these young people, you know, they're not taught it in school. They're not taught in college. Meanwhile, in college campuses, they're getting credit cards being sponsored by their colleges in many cases. And they don't have jobs, they don't have income, and they're seeing themselves graduate with huge amounts of debt that they can't handle. What, okay, so I think you're right. That's true. Being I, I didn't have thought about that. MySpace and Facebook and being out there and sharing and, you know, all the stuff that maybe the previous generation didn't do. So that, yeah. that gives them kind of a, a heads up on all of this. That's true. What about investing, actual investing? Now, we're talking right. about, you know, getting out of debt and paying your credit cards and, and uh, paying your bills. But right. what, yeah. So long-term investment, I mean, how do you get started? I mean, you said, okay, you $50 a month. Um, right. I think it's really important to sign up for some sort of automatic savings plan. You know, a lot of young people are scared to death of 401Ks because they heard about how much money they lost. But if you have a 401K at your job and it offers matching, it is insane not to sign up for it. And you don't have to put it all into the stock market. I mean, you have a choice in a 401K. You can put your 401K into something called a money market fund, which is quite safe. And so you won't have the risk of the up and down of the stock market. I think signing up for a 401k with matching, and if you don't have a 401k, looking into something called a Roth IRA, an individual retirement account that allows you to save, because these are great ways to save long-term without you having to pay taxes on the money. That's the key. They're not really retirement plans. They're called retirement plans, but they're great ways to save. And even with a Roth IRA, if you need that money you put in, you can take it out without paying taxes and penalties. So my best advice for long-term investing is to put it into a 401k or a Roth IRA, put some of it into the stock market, because over the long term, if you're saying you're not going to touch it for 20, 30, 40 years, it probably is the best place to go. But if you're really nervous, you could put it into something super safe. Great advice, Beth. And we're going to have to say goodbye, so I want to direct listeners to your website, also to the book, obviously, because Get a Financial Life, Beth Koblenner. Mm-hmm. That's it. Koblenner, I got it, finally, yes. at the end. Right. Get a financial life, personal finance in your 20s and 30s, and go to your website, Beth Koblenner, and because if some of your questions haven't been answered today, you answer all those questions. You have an interactive website, so you can ask Beth a question. There's actually a piece there on your website to Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. Send me an email, and I'd be happy to help. Terrific. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. You too. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, she's fantastic. And, practical. I like yeah, it. Yeah, very practical. And if, you know what's interesting? If you go to Beth's website, that's also practical, the way it's laid out. It's very easy. You can navigate it easily. It's interesting how, the, the, you know, her the way she thinks is also reflected on her website. I think that makes sense. That means yeah, she, she, has, clear... she did a good job with her website. Yeah. It reflects her well. That's good. 
Yeah, very clear thinker. And so is the book. The book is an easy read. Anyway, we're going to just take a short break. We'll be back with our next guest, Tiffany Schlain. She's a director, a writer uh, of The Tribe. That's her film we're going to be talking about. I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller-Blake. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Is it really true that nearly half of all marriages end in divorce? Get the answers to this and other questions about relationships on Relationship Radio with Jim Duzak. The program's devoted to marriage, divorce, midlife dating, and men-women relationships in general. Jim and his guest experts will have plenty of information, insights, and advice for you, all as part of a lively and wide-ranging discussion about today's relationships. You can listen Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, for Relationship Radio with Jim Duzak on Voice America. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within. Your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, very early morning on the uh, West Coast anyway. Catherine Zox, Lauren Beller-Blake, VoiceAmerica.com. And joining us this week, finally, because we thought we were going to have her on last week, but there was a mix-up, but she's here today, is Tiffany Schlain. Tiffany, Tiffany is an award-winning filmmaker, director, honored by Newsweek as one of the women shaping the 21st century. Very, very impressive. Tiffany Schlain is a filmmaker, founder of the Webby Awards, and co-founder of the International Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences. Her films have been selected at over 100 film festivals, including Sundance, Tribeca, and she's won 20 awards, including audience and grand jury prizes, and translated into eight languages. Tiffany's films are a fusion of documentary and narrative and known for their whimsical yet provocative approach, unraveling complicated subjects like politics, 
cultural identity, which we're going to talk about today in her film, The Tribe, Technology and Science. The Tribe, which is her uh, film that we're going to be discussing today, is an exploration of American Jewish identity through the history of the Barbie doll. And this is the 50th anniversary of the Barbie doll, in case you know, uh, listeners don't know that, but it is. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on. Finally, Tiffany, how are you? Nice to be here. I'm very, very happy we finally made the call happen. Yeah. Me too. We just had a mix-up in telephone numbers. But anyway, so you're here, and you're going to be, and then I promise I'll stop talking, but uh, Tiffany is going to be in Schenectady, New York, at Proctor's Theater uh, this Thursday, which is tomorrow the 26th from 7 to 9.30, sponsored by the Women's Philanthropy of uh, Northeastern New York, and she's going to talk about her book, writer, I mean, her film, The Tribe. So... Let's begin, uh, because most people would say, okay, an exploration of American Jewish identity through the history of the Barbie doll. What most people don't know is that the Barbie doll was actually created by a Jewish woman. And um, when I found that out years ago, I thought that was one of the great ironies of pop culture, that a a Jewish woman created the ultimate shiksa, and then it became the most popular doll in the world. And I use this kind of historical fact as a way to look at assimilation in America. So we use Barbie as really a way to delve into American Jewish identity and cultural identity and what does it mean to be a member of a tribe. And, you know, Jews say that they're members of the tribe. So the film's called The Tribe, and, um, you know, we have a lot of fun with Barbie. People I feel have a lot of strong feelings about the Barbie doll, so they love her, they hate her, they want to take the head off of the doll, they idolized her. But we have a lot of fun using the Barbie doll as a way to kind of delve into deeper, more serious issues about identity. So in talking about identity, you're saying Ruth Handler, she was a Jew, a Polish Jew, I guess, right? She came, well, she was born in the United States. Wasn't right, her she grandparents, in yeah, her grandparents came from other countries. But, um, yeah, she was the daughter of immigrants, and um, and she was an amazing businesswoman, actually. You know, she created Barbie, and then she she also... She also then had breast cancer and was one of the first people to create um, prosthetic breasts. So she has this very uh, illustrious career as a businesswoman. Um, She made all her money on boobs. (laughs) I do have that line (laughs) in the film. She made two (laughs) fortunes on plastic breasts. Yes. Um, But And so the film, which people, your listeners, can check out at tribethefilm.com. We have this really fun discussion kit. Um, we have a film, you know, it was the number one film on iTunes, and um, it, people really respond to it. It's, it's a short film, it's 18 minutes. And then we created this whole discussion kit, which has the film, it has discussion cards, and a film guide, and and people have really enjoyed it. This is our fourth year now, and they still we still have you know, a huge audience uh, getting it for the first time to use it as really a spark for conversation. So, uh, Tiffany, now what would you say, I mean, what... Um... Why do you think people responded so strongly to this kind of a film? And also, is there a difference between the Jewish community and the uh, Christian community? Uh, well, it's interesting. We we originally thought it was going to mostly speak to to Jews, um, but the surprising thing is is that it's really spoken to everything, everyone. And I mean, of course, that's what you always hope for—that you you speak your truth and that that becomes a universal truth. Um, but I think that. You know, the issues that we're talking about, about assimilation, affect so many different groups. And um, and I think that, you know, I try to explain what it means to be an American Jew. And surprisingly, while Jews make a lot of films, there aren't really films about American Jewish identity. Like, literally, that is the subject of the film. So, uh, 
the film is ordered by professors and educators from all over the world and really from every different um, religion. And even the U.S. Naval Academy ordered them for their ships. It really surprised us <laughs> the reach of that's this film. I mean, yeah. it has exceeded all of our expectations. I think that's fair to say. So, you know, it's got a lot of humor, but it's got a lot of pretty serious stuff in there. So I think it's that mixture that people respond to. And then Barbie, I mean, she's like the ultimate lure because people feel they're so kind of fascinated and obsessed and hate her and love her and they have so many passionate feelings about her, but much like people have about the Jews, too. So Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I just missed Barbie. Uh, I think I was about 10 or 12 years old going pre-pubescent, uh, just pubescent, so I sort of just, you know, what was finished playing with dolls, but I do remember when she came out. And, of course, this was, uh, and maybe today uh, people don't realize, I mean, how avant-garde this was to have this sexy model-looking doll. Uh, yeah, I and- mean, before Barbie, it was just baby dolls that people had. And so the real insight that Ruth Handler, she actually was over in Europe, and I, I talk about this in the film, but Barbie, it was, it was actually based on this German sex doll called Lily. And it's very interesting. It was right after the Holocaust and World War II, and there was this fetish doll in Germany called Lily. And um, it looked just like Barbie, and Ruth Handler saw it over in Europe, brought it over to America, renamed it Barbie. And her big insight was that little girls wanted to play with a doll that looked like their mommy and not like just a baby doll. And um, And that you know, started the whole kind of craze for these adult-looking dolls. And, I mean, I have a, a five-year-old daughter and another daughter on the way, and I can speak from experience that every little girl, while they love baby dolls, they also love pretending that they're older, and um, I think the Barbie doll speaks to that. Yeah, but what about the whole issue? Does, is it a, is it sexist? You know, here's the Barbie doll and, you know, looking sexy. and You know, to... I mean, I, I definitely explore that in the film. I mean, being yeah. a complete feminist. Um, yeah. But I, I, I don't, I think also by kind of denying it, it becomes fetishized in its own way. So I, I don't, I mean, obviously my daughter, whenever she sees a Barbie doll, she's like, oh, that's that Jewish doll. But um, I don't deny her from playing with it, but she doesn't play with it more than any other doll. And, um, you know, we live in a culture where, um, we live in a culture that's probably over-sexualized on a large scale, and I'm a true believer that what you teach at home gives kind of clarity around what different things mean in our society. So hopefully we've discussed the Barbie doll at length enough in this household that she has enough tools to kind of deal with it on her own way. But, you know, I think a lot of parents, I mean, a lot of people come to my screenings and say, I forbid my daughter from ever playing with the Barbie doll, or I was forbidden. So, of course, then they were fascinated by it. So... <clears throat> I think um yeah we'll you know, never forgive, never forbid your kids to do if you you know if, if they can't play with the Barbie doll or if the girls can't play that's the first thing they're going to do when they go to their girlfriend's exactly. house exactly like you yeah. create it too much uh taboo around it and it's going to make them want it that much more so I try to do a healthy balance but um you know it's going to be it's going to be fun to show the film in New York um I'm looking forward to it. it's always you know there's many layers of different jokes and lines and and different audiences get them. I love I love watching it with other people because certain people get certain things and they laugh harder at others. Well, I have so. to ask you about this because I'm always asking the same question over and over and Lauren knows this. Differences between the responses of men and women watching the film. There you know, I be- co-wrote this film with my husband and um there's a lot of stuff in there that really speaks to men. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that's really important when you make a film, too, is that um, 
it really has an audience in both. And, you know, men have different reactions to Barbie, too, because they remember Barbie, but for very different reasons. But, um, you know, and and again, I use Barbie really as a show on some level to explore these deeper issues of um, Jewish identity, which, of course, speaks to both men and women and people of all ages. Yeah. Do you think the Jews are still struggling with their American Jewish identity today? Or oh, sure. Is it kind of a struggle than it was 50 years ago? It's post different. World War II? I mean, we're so assimilated now, and we're in such positions of, you know, different positions of power, and then and there's conflicted feelings, of course, when someone like Madoff does something so horrible, and you, you know, I mean, I think, um, and then there's people that you have so much pride for when they do good things, and then your own sense of... Um, I think Israel is obviously still very complicated in the way that the world and our country feels about Israel. Um, so I, it's definitely, it's just a different set of issues. And I kind of say this in the film, that every generation asks these questions. You know, what does it mean to be Jewish? What does it mean to be a member of a tribe? What does it mean to be a member of any tribe in the 21st century? What does it mean, you know, basically to be human? But I think anyone, whether you're Irish-American or African-American or... Or even uh, Muslims today. Think about being, uh, you know, a Muslim in the United States today. What exactly, is a Muslim-American. I mean, you're still asking these questions of what part of my ancient, what part of the tradition do I want to hold dear? What part needs to evolve with me in the 21st century? What makes sense? You know, so I think all of those questions, um, I think every generation asks that, and I kind of ask it in this kind of fun way through the history of the Barbie doll, but they're they're very serious and timeless questions that I think every generation asks. And again, you know, people, your listeners can and find out more, they can order the film or the discussion kit at, at tribethefilm.com. All right, so it's tribethefilm.com. Go onto the website, um, and as, you, as uh, Tiffany said, you can order the film, The Tribe. Or you and can come see me in person. I, I'm, you know, in a couple of days in New York. Exactly. Actually, it's tomorrow, my dear. It's tomorrow this week. <laughs> And then I will be speaking tomorrow in New York. Great. Oh, you will? In New York City? Um, well, I'm speaking at the um, in Albany tomorrow, and, um, and then I'm also speaking um, in Cherry Hill, uh, New Jersey. So I'm speaking. I have two talks and screenings in New York. And then All right, terrific. Well, I'm going to see you tomorrow. Oh, great. And, and you know, yeah. if people are interested, I'm actually working on a new feature called Connected, a Declaration of Interdependence, and they can find out information on that or just stay posted on all my films at tiffanyschlain.com, and that's S-H-L-A-I-N. Terrific. Thanks for joining us today. I'll see you tomorrow. All Tiffany right. I look forward to meeting you. Yeah, the tribe. Uh, we're going to take a short break right now. We'll be back in a minute. Lauren Deller-Blake, Catherine Zox, voiceamerica.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for total career success on Voice America. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Want to have behind-the-scenes access to some of the greatest minds of today? On Shift in Action, we feature leading-edge innovators who are building a more conscious, sustainable, and healthy culture. Host Stephen Dynan offers live shows with evolutionary leaders such as Deepak Chopra, Van Jones, and others who are creating new paradigms for conscious living. You can keep your finger on the pulse of the latest frontier work with our weekly transmission of inspired wisdom on Shift in Action, broadcast live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Joining us on the Catherine Zock Show. I'm your social worker with the microphone with Lauren Beller Blake. And she and I have been, well, actually, been interviewing. We had two great guests today on the show, I think, don't you, Lauren? Absolutely. Women who are out there and doing their thing. Um, so, anyway, in this past guest, Tiffany Schlain, she's the uh, director of the TRO. She directed, she wrote it, she does uh, the whole thing, actually. And she will be here in Albany, New York, uh, tomorrow to talk about her film. So. It's actually cool. It's, I mean, so many people do small, film, you know, twenty-minute films, and they don't get picked up like she did. So it's such, she's such a great example for so many reasons. Yeah. Well, she's done a hundred films too. Oh, I didn't hear that. Okay, I missed. Yeah, that. like when I was doing my intro, she's done a hundred other films. That's, that's amazing. Her business. She has a master's in film from. Or she has a degree in film from NYU and from Berkeley, and you know that's okay. her. That's a hundred films. That's so she's bound to hit one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> this films was a good topic. Yeah, it is. It's very tough. I mean, sometimes people just think, everybody thinks they can, you know what? Everybody thinks they can write a book, and everybody thinks they can do a film. It's and, you true. know, yeah, and maybe they can, but for it to become successful, like this one particularly, I mean, she sold this film or the to the, what, the Naval Academy, she said, which is interesting. It is interesting. Do you know the history of the Barbie doll? I, I mean, I didn't really. I don't know the history of the Barbie doll. See, I learned a little bit from her. Does Sierra have a Barbie doll? Not yet. Sierra if it is is three years old. She and does not have she, a Barbie doll yet. She has some, some sort of something similar that someone gave her, but it's not a true Barbie. Yeah. I had Barbies. Yeah, well, you would be perfect for the Barbie doll, right? Yeah, I had Barbies. I mean, I wasn't a big doll kid, but, yeah, I had Barbies. 
Well, what happened, I mean, I want to finish a little bit of that story because I think the Barbie dolls, I, after, I knew I was going to interview her, so then I went and I read, and actually I had her on the show too. There's a, a woman, uh, an author, Robin Gerber, and she wrote the book Barbie and Ruth, the story of the world's most famous doll and the woman who created her. And this is specifically about Ruth Handler who created the Barbie doll. Interesting. And you would find it interesting, Lauren, because this, because Ruth Handler, who was, she's, I mean, she was, came, she was, let me see, 1930-something, she was in college, so I don't know how old, you know, she's, how old she's dead now, but she was, you know, a whole other generation that post just right after World War II. Um, she was an entrepreneur. She started Mattel Toys with her husband. Oh, yes, I did see this Yeah, story. yeah. I mean, an amazing woman. I mean, she went to college, she's, she, her this was an interesting concept. Her family were immigrants. Immigrant families often come to the United States, and they have the husband and wife have to work together. So these immigrant women of that generation, they did work. They were working. They were they were taking they were taking care of the family, and they were also running their family businesses with their spouses. Interesting, because she, they had to. Yeah, because they had to. So now she never thought it was to? weird for a woman woman to to be working and to be out I there see. and to Got be. It. Yeah. I, I saw her story not too long ago. In the past year or so, her story was somewhere on TV. I don't remember where I've seen it. But it was a really sweet story. There's a lot of those around. I didn't really understand when people come into our country. They can't. I spoke to another woman recently. She came into our country from Canada many years, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. And she couldn't get a job for what, you know, there's a period of time you can't work. And I, didn't under, I don't really understand the details of that. But you can buy a business. You can own a business. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but that, now you can understand why these people exactly. opened up these small businesses and became entrepreneurs. Some even went on to become really, really successful. Exactly. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. Well, that, I, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> she was actually born in the United States. As I said, she was born in Denver. Poor, she was born, I think she was the 10th child of her parents. And her mother had her at age 40. And... Her sister got married. The oldest sister was getting married when her mother was pregnant with wow. Handler, who's the inventor of the Barbie doll. And so what happened was her mother, and then her mother got sick, and she couldn't handle all the children, so she went to live with her older sister and her older sister's husband. As it turned out, her older sister could never have children of her own. Oh, wow. So she, her sister sort of became her Raised mother. Her, her surrogate mother. Her surrogate mother. And her sister and her husband were owned a pharmacy, and they were in business together. And so this was her role model. And then she met her husband, and they Mattel toys. They got in some trouble with Mattel. I think with the government, there was some concern that they may have go, would have to go to jail. I don't know what that story is all about. But uh, she named Barbie after her daughter Barbie, Barbara. Oh yes, yes, yes. And then she had a son Ken, and that hence the Ken doll. You said, oh yeah, you said this last week. Interesting. And actually, as I understand it, Ken was always, they thought that he was, that Ken doll was maybe gay. Well, as it turned out, Ruth Handler's son was gay. And he was sort of modeled after the son. Yeah. Interesting. So both of the dolls were modeled after her own children. Very interesting. Real people. Yeah, real people. They sort of took on the persona of the real real people in the world. Mm -hmm. But you know what you always say, Lauren, how people start businesses based on a need and based uh-huh. on something that happens to them. Yeah. And I've always thought about, you know, that, and I think you're right. Well, when Ruth Handler got breast cancer and she went and she was trying to find a prosthesis uh, to, you know, for to put in her bra because she 
there were none. So what? There were none that you know. This was in the fifties, I guess. Yep, and so yep. what she did was she invented it herself. Amazing. Mm-hmm. She's very. She was a very um, inventive woman. Obviously, you know, yeah. if there wasn't out there, just make it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, it's a great just, thought. Yeah. Very. So many of us complain about, oh, they don't have this, and we don't ever think about turning it into a business. So what do you complain about? I don't complain much. No, you're not a complainer. I really don't complain much. I work. I pay attention to the fact that I don't want to complain. There's not much to complain about. And a complaint, Catherine, is always an unspoken request. Explain that. What do you mean? So a complaint is an inside-out, like the reverse of that is a request. So if you have a complaint, turn it into a request of somebody, and you won't have to complain about it. So, all right, you're complaining about your partner, your husband. You're saying that he... Ah, he's doing something wrong. Yeah, so you're complaining about it over and over and over. Well, rather than complaining, what's the request you have of him or her? In other words, you didn't get home on time, the dinner, I made this great dinner, and it was my turn to make dinner, and you came an hour late and everything's cold. And so that's the complaint. The request is what? Well, I'll give you a real-life example. My husband and I had this this week. I left with Sierra to go someplace. He was working, and she and I had the day to go play, and I left and didn't leave him a note. So... A couple days later, I'm in my office working, a door is closed, and I'm thinking he's in his office working, door is closed. I come out of my office, and the car is gone. I'm like, well, where did he go? No note. So I said, you know, I could really complain about this, or I could say, you know what, we used to be really good at leaving each other notes. Can we get back to that? That's what I said to him. I said, you know, we need to get back to that leaving each other notes again so that we know where each other is when we're looking for the other person. He says, yeah, you're right, we should do that. That was the end of it. I could have complained and said, where the hell did you go? What's going on? You're not telling <laughs> You could have attacked. That sounds like me. I, I sometimes get into attack mode, and it's, uh, as you know, it's my boyfriend. We're not even living in the same house, but I start That's why attacking. he doesn't live with you, so you attack him. And nobody wants to live with me because I'm an attacker, and that is such a great example. That is really a good I, I like, I mean, that is, and it's so simple to do. Like, you only have to step back, like, two or two or three seconds and think, I'm attacking. How do I put this in the positive? How do I turn it around and make how do a I request? Make a request? How do I put the request on the table? And a request is not a demand. A request is like, by the way, do you think that this would be helpful for us, you know, to get back into this? It's not a demand. Everybody thinks if I request this, someone's going to feel obligated. No, I really think a request is, this is just my perspective of what we need to do. If you think there's something better, please tell me because... That helps. Yeah. Does it help to also say about how you how it makes you feel when there isn't a note? Let's say that example you gave. Like, uh, I think I think women get into that more than men. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I how have I feel, feel. And, then and they're the guy like, "Oh my god, I've heard this already." So I I sometimes do, but I sometimes I don't because I think simple. they know how we feel and they feel the same way. Yeah. Keep it simple, folks. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of demanding and being aggressive about what you want, turn it into a request. I like that. And we have to say goodbye. And uh, I like leaving on that note. Uh, Catherine Sox with Lauren Beller Blake on VoiceAmerica.com. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Lauren and I uh, will be back next week. Have a great day, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye-bye. hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. 
Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.